And now, from the Daytona Beach News Journal. And he is a lap away from the checkered flag in the Daytona 500. The voice of NASCAR. Austin Dillon wins the 60th running of the Great American Race. Daytona Motor Miles with Ken Willis and Godwin Kelly. Hey, good job. Facebook Live right there. There I am. Mr. Kelly, Ken Willis here. Goblin Kelly is manning the uh, his fancy new uh, suction device. (laughs) That's holding his phone against the window. (laughs) Set up the video camera with his (laughs) suction device. All right, good one. You broke the chair. The chair. Hey, Ken Willis, Goblin Kelly, Daytona Motor Mouse. Today, um, speaking of uh, inappropriate topics. We're going to discuss tapered spacers. Oh, yeah. 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 Can't get that in every store in town, nah. can you? Nah. Yeah, you got to go to the other side of the tracks and pick them up, pick that up. Yeah. Tapered spacer. Yeah. A spacered taper. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I'm and sure we're, you... we're going to try to explain all this as we go along, but we're also going to review the Roval, and we're going to taper some spacers. Right. And we're going to, oh, what else are we going to do? Oh, we got a little crime report today. That doesn't happen every day. No. We're going to tell you who Haley Deegan is and why you might want to know. Who's that? And uh, you're going to have to wait, young man. And uh, at the end, we will try to explain. We're going into the next round of the playoffs with 12 drivers surviving. And we're going to, t- we're going to take a shot at who we think the next four who will depart will be. And we'll see if we uh, have any overlap there. Well, you know what? We got a lot of stuff to talk about, so why don't we get into it? All right, we'll be right back. And we're right back. What do you know, Ken what do you Willis? Know? What do you know? Uh, we're going to review the Roval, and I think we got some clippage, right? We got some got lots some, of clippage. Got lots of clippage, just like you didn't lots. clip for a couple of weeks, and you just like been withholding, and now you've yeah. Everybody who's uttered a word in the last week will be featured on Goblin's clippage. Yep. It's like, okay, so I was in clippage abstinence, mm-hmm. and now glorious now that I got back, it's yeah. like one... Hello, sailor. <laughs> one's <laughs> too many. On one's too many, and a hundred's not enough. Three's not enough. I know that, because I think you sent four of the damn I things. I sent four, yeah. Good Lord. Yep. Well, uh, before we get to that, just uh, on a scale of one to ten, rank the Roval for me. The Roval? Yep. On, on on everything. Okay. The schedule, how it was run, the dramatics, well, everything. So going into the Roval, there was a lot of hype, right? Okay. All right. And believe it or not, the race lived up to the hype. Okay. So where does that fall on the back to my original question? All right. So 10, 10 is tough. I can't say 10, but I'll give it a 9. I will give it a 9. The and the reason why is the different strategies during the race. Yeah, I'm going ten. Wow, you are going all the way up to ten. 10. That, <laughs> finish, <laughs> that finish was so amazing, and the stand around afterwards, waiting to see who's in and who's out. A little bit of controversy over that. Um, the way Jimmy Johnson, needlessly, it turned out, if he was only wanting to advance in the playoffs, the way he needlessly. Uh, wrecked Boyer or uh, Truex trying to get the win. Sorry, Truex Jr. trying to get the win <laughs> was amazing to me. And uh, yeah, all everything about it I thought was great. I think the track I think the track looked neat. A lot of times, I mean, you see it when one of the things I like about 
one of the few things I like about watching F1 racing on an early Sunday morning is how nice the tracks look. The the whole the the greenery, the the backdrops, everything is it's like a Augusta National motorsports event. Everything is. Uh, you, you sit down, young man. You sit down. Carefully this time. Zach Dean's with us. Zach the Dean youngest is. angry old man. Yeah, he's he been is. Told he's been summoned. Yeah. Uh, anywho, uh, so I thought it looked good. The way they painted the rumble strips and the way they, the, the paint job they did at the chicanes, I thought that chicane? was great. So, I'm so tired of that. It's like a bus stop. It's a, it's a bus order. stop. Why'd you call it a bus stop? So anyway. They, some people do. Anyway, we've got You don't Zach, like it because it's French. We got Zach Everybody. Dean in here. I want to get Zach's opinion on this. So, Zach. You're the tiebreaker here. Here, come here. He said eight. What'd you say? No, eight? I said ten. I, was, I said no, ten. I was flashing you ten. Okay. I thought Maybe it that's was really what, good. That was a subliminal message. I, I went. I didn't it. used to like road court race. Road court. Road, road court. Road course races, but yeah. after seeing the uh, sleepers that are mile and a half now, I'm all for road courses. Road courses, short tracks, and nothing else. All right. See you later. Get rid of all of it. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for playing. And that was Zach Dean. Hey, have fun up there. Who was off camera, hey, unfortunately. Hey, by the way, real quick. <laughs> want to send out a big congratulations to Roush Fenway Race and for bringing on Ryan Newman next year. <laughs> God, they're good. They're, they're, they're the winner. Anybody got the early odds for him making the playoffs oh. next year? Because I'll bet you anything it's zero. He's a bum. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> uh. This is a good day for him, actually. Yeah, yeah he's know. having a good day. He's actually having a good day. Yeah. <laughs> See why I wanted to bring him in? Yeah. Just, uh, you know, spark. give us a little spark here. Uh, so, oh, uh, anyway, it, it was a winner. Um, and w- the hope is, of course, as you said, we don't really want to see more of this. Yeah. I mean, this is... I didn't say that. I don't want to see one more, maybe two. I don't want to see any more of these. Because it takes the special factor away. Yeah. Okay. All right. I can agree with you. Yeah. All right. So let's, you do, you take charge of the clippage. You know what everything is and what they're talking about. And uh, and I'm going to sit here and be a spectator for a minute and uh, explain to us. (laughs) Well, the first clip is, um, is kyle larson and uh jamie mcmurray yeah okay if you remember uh they won the 24 hours the rolex 24 yep, at daytona they were part of the winning team yeah, yeah so somebody chip. somebody asked them to compare the roval to the daytona they called it the daytona roval which they can't say because it's trademarked <laughs> uh, but it's the same concept you take you know the the big the main course yeah and then you add a little infield to it and you get a roll so gotcha. so daytona has been doing it for more than 50 years 62 1962 charlotte's just jumping in and they jumped in with both feet and with a big splash but anyway so you got kyle larson and jamie mcmurray talking about how this compares to the rolex 24 here we go you have run the Rolex 24 before. Both of you have won the Rolex 24 before. So what, if anything, could you take from that road course oval to this one today? Uh, n- nothing. Nothing really. I-, I don't think anything. These are totally different race cars. Those those are totally different cars than anything I've ever driven. Um, so they have a lot better brakes, a lot better grip, traction, traction control everything so um even if we were to take a 
you know, cup car onto the Daytona Roval, I mean, it, it wouldn't even compare, I don't think. So, um, I don't know, it's just, uh, yeah, it's just a different, different deal. Yeah, I mean, the only thing to me that uh, this track reminded me of Daytona, is, especially with the splitters, is that in the Rolex car, you had to be—you could go really quick through the the back the back bus stop if you used more curb. But every time you did, it would just destroy the splitter, and that was kind of the same way here today. You could get fairly aggressive, but as far everything else is just so much different. Uh, you, you know who you're racing with in the Rolex race. Half the guys you're around, you're—you don't even know who's in the car. Um, and it could be somebody different every time you catch the same car. So it's it's pretty I – mean, it's, it's so much different. All right, Kyle and Jamie Mack. Who's next, Mr. Clip? Uh, okay, so then you got you got your Clint Boyer, who finished third, I believe. He did well. He's, but he was slumping pretty bad there for a while, and he's had two good finishes in a row, or three out of the last four, I think. Actually. So they caught him uh, with his uh, – Excuse me? His after me? post-race uh, – uh, feelings about the the robo and he i think he's the guy that came up with the uh term turtleback oh really for the bump for the rumble strips yeah. okay. he didn't call them rumble strips he called them turtlebacks cool all right here's clint boyer and uh clint maybe just to kick us off give us a, a few um kind of just reactionary thoughts to today god almighty you knew it was going to be something um you know and i think it was a little bit of everything uh, you know we had had some long run action there um had some some good racing um wild restarts you know when those cautions start coming out at the end it's such a you know a wild race track first and foremost that turn one i mean that's just the whole whole track sketchy i mean the whole time you're out there you're fighting um you know for lateral grip you're fighting for forward drive you're fighting for turn it's like gosh just just one one problem, you know, but um, it, it's a very challenging racetrack, challenging uh, set of tires that we have for it. Uh, those tires were, were pretty hard, and, um, you know, and then track positions, everything. I mean, our, our day in particular is we knew we needed an opportunity. Um, I knew this race was the opportunity. I just didn't know if we could capitalize on that opportunity. You knew some people were going to have trouble. You, you tried to make sure that you're not one of those people. We did a good job of bringing a fast race car, did a good job of uh, qualifying well. That put us in a position to get those stage points and get ourselves at least in the dance floor, um, you know, that first first stage. But then then you get behind. Then you're you're behind a little bit. Then, you know, by the time I got back up through them, I had both fenders knocked in and, and uh, hit, a, hit a damn turtle once. And, and you know, that's, that's going to slow you down a little bit. I mean, it's just all product of, of being back in traffic and things like that. Um, then we kind of got track position back. Then we lost it again. Then the 88 pitted. So he was really at that point who we were racing for our position. <laughs> Key point at that point, he was the only car that we were racing. Um, when he pitted, we pitted 12 pitted. And, um, you know, then, then it was kind of a, a race between us and the 88. I knew as long as I kept him at arm's reach, I thought I could be all right. Woof. I got one more. All right. Who we got? All right. So. We heard from the competitor. Now we want to hear from the sanctioning body. So we've got NASCAR Vice President Steve O'Donnell. Steve-O? Talking about the success of the Charlotte Roval race. Steve O'Donnell, take it away. I'm here at the NASCAR Hall from the executive VP of NASCAR. Steve O'Donnell is standing by. Lots of reporters here. Everybody wants to hear what he thought of the end of this one and, of course, the tiebreaker. I think from our perspective, uh, certainly a wild race. Uh, a lot of work went into this event. 
um, applaud Marcus Smith and, and his whole staff for uh, believing in it, kind of seeing a, an idea, turning it into a vision. I think from the moment everyone showed up at the track, just the look of the facility was tremendous, and, and we all felt like this was hopefully going to be something good, and I think it delivered on the track. What about the tiebreaker? So, you know, what what I'd go back to is every point matters. We've said that uh, on and on, probably till the media is sick of it, but uh, every point did matter. Um, but you also saw a seven-time champion. Uh, There's a reason he's a seven-time champion. He went for the win. Uh, that's what NASCAR is all about. <laughs> there was a time in our lifetime, and not a recent lifetime, when uh, NASCAR people were, ah, they, you know, they didn't necessarily go out of their way to say nice things about what was happening up there at Charlotte. Motor Speedway. Right. So kind of a semi-competing uh, sanctioning, not sanctioning body, but a Speedway ownership group. So they wouldn't necessarily heap praise. So compared to older times, you know, it's nice to see us all getting along. Everybody is pulling on the same rope now because it's uh, of vital importance. All right, let's move on to uh, spacered taping or tapered spacers or spaced tapered spacer yes <laughs> <laughs> gotta write this stuff down all right uh since 1988 nascar has impl- at daytona and talladega and on a couple of other occasions but mostly almost exclusively daytona and talladega the two huge super speedways with very high banking they have Im- they have slapped uh restrictor plates on the carburetors of the cars to slow them down to a more uh, manageable sane speed right and that's been since 88 so it's been 30 years on the bright side, it does keep the cars somewhat more on on the ground, less inclined to get airborne. Uh, it keeps them from you know doing two twenty and you know crazy, crazy. And crazy it has uh, on, on on good news, bad news. It has taken the competition at those two tracks and turned them into basically. Uh, three wide freight trains. It has bunched up everybody. It has equalized the field and made for edge of the seat fan experience those races you get on the edge of your seat. The bad news is it's not real competition because uh, the better teams can't get away from the lesser teams and you're, and the teams are almost inevitably and without fail, which is almost the same as inevitably, in- they, uh, they, uh, they have big, huge crashes and ruin a whole lot of equipment and it's dangerous and we don't need to say what happens when things get overly dangerous or what can happen. Uh, so it's kind of crazy in one aspect, but at the same time, it helps the TV ratings and the ticket sales. So what are you going to do? So now we're getting rid of the restrictor plates. That's good. No, that's bad. Because <laughs> they're keeping the tapered spacers, which do basically the same thing, yeah. from what I gathered. Yes. Sort of, kind of, sort of, with a little bit of difference and throttle response, I believe. Yes. They basically do the same thing as the restrictor plates. They will bunch everybody together. That's bad. No, that's good. <laughs> <laughs> they're going to do it at, at roughly half the races or more than 80 percent oh god yes half the tracks over half the tracks but like three-fourths of the races only the road courses the short tracks and that's it be involved yeah Yeah. and next year they're going to keep the same old plate race for the daytona 500 next year before moving away one last plate race Mm -hmm. yeah as if anybody was clamoring for it so anyway tell me what you think and uh and let's uh talk me through this Tell I me wish, what the thing. I wish Zach was here. Yeah. Uh, Zach, now I'm going to use Zach's 
form of communication here. Yeah. It's about time. It's about time. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah uh, they, you know, NASCAR, you get to certain tracks like Charlotte. Charlotte's a great example. I mean, it's one guy gets out front, they get the arrow advantage, and it's over. Yeah. I mean, there's no way to catch them. Yeah. So why not, you know, let's change things up. So in, uh, in a way, I agree. I mean, I, I the the part of me that wants to see as much honest competition as possible disagrees with it. Uh, though that honest competition generally comes down to who has the biggest budget and can hire the most engineers. Right. But that's part of the game. I mean, that's been part of automobile racing since Barney Oldfield was in shop class. You know? Right. So, uh, so I understand that. But then the other part of me says, you know, NASCAR, for right or wrong, mostly right, if you look at its history, was was built on contrived closeness. Right. The rule books over the years has they have you know they as gary nelson said they put the headquarters in daytona beach so that they could write the rules in the sand because they're changing with the tide practically well they so, change constantly yes, you have to because of you're dealing with uh with automation and advancements in automation so through the through nascar history has been built on keeping the cars as close together as possible so you don't have somebody as big bill and bill jr used to say stinking up the show right so that's always been what it's been about so i don't know why i need to get all that worked up over you over an, an escalation and the contrivance of competition I, I i think it's gonna help nascar i really do um they need they need some help willies come on yeah I mean, oh no i'm not i'm not saying i'm against it i'm just I have trouble with it but then i talk myself out of having trouble with it well i've been assured by the uh by steve miller Huh. And the band, right? Yeah. <laughs> and the band. And the band. The boys. It's the a band. different different yeah. band, but it's Steve Miller who's vice president of competition senior vice president of competition. Senior. And uh he said that, you know, when you uh, shake it all out, the cream will always rise to the top in these kind of races. And Yeah, the, if the playing field try to find an analogy in some form or fashion i can't but what the hell if the if the size of the playing field with which the the box they have with which to find an advantage if it shrinks from say a shoe box down to a matchbox somebody's going to be able to find going to arrange their matchbox in a way they're the little things they got in their matchbox they're going to be able to arrange it in a way that's better than the way you arrange yours right and that car is going to be the faster car yeah in the end and you know cubic dollars will continue to win out as as it it, it, that's fine it will always be that way i mean that, it, it, nothing's going to change that but in the interim yeah. you're going to have cars that are actually in close proximity to each other does that mean door handle door handle <laughs> yeah you can throw Nose a tail you can throw a blanket over them uh, all right all right, that's it. That's all we got for that. That's all we're we got move, for that That's segment. all we got for What Do You Know. Yeah. Now we're going to get out of here for just a second, and we'll be right back. What? We are right back. Ken Wallace, Scott, and Kelly, Daytona Motor Let me Go ahead. Let me just throw something in here real quick right. that's not on our budget. Yeah. Um, Charlotte Motor Speedway, every for their fall race, yeah. whether it be the Roval or the Quad Oval, mm-hmm. Uh, they give out an award called the Smoky Eunuch Award. Well, that's a dandy award. <laughs> I wish I was here to see it. <laughs> so, anyway, uh, this year's winner was Jimmy Fennig. You know Jimmy uh, Fennig. Uh, Jimmy used to come by the shop when he was a little <laughs> pissant boy. 
<laughs> so uh anyway uh before we get into uh what we actually have on the paper here yeah i wanted to run a clip with what the, another clip yeah one oh more. that's great one more one more jimmy fanig jimmy fanig or the ghost of smoky eunuch jimmy fanig receiving the smoky eunuch award for excellence all right here's jimmy it's time for us to present our annual smoky eunuch award uh, this has been presented by Charlotte Motor Speedway starting back in 1997 to honor Smokey Eunuch. This award recognizes an individual who rose from humble beginnings to make a major impact on the motorsports industry, and I think that fits this person to a T. Uh, we're thrilled to have Jimmy Finnick here with us today. Jimmy, thanks a lot for being here. Congratulations. I, I know your background, getting an award that has Smokey Eunuch's name on, it's got to be something special for you. Yes, uh, <clears throat> I want to thank you. Uh, this is uh, quite an award. This is the one I really appreciate. Uh, I'd like to thank a lot of people for my journey to where I am now. Uh, of course, Bobby Allison, Jack Roush. Thank Jack Roush and all the drivers that I was affiliated with. Uh, without all them people, I wouldn't be here today. But uh, to receive this award is very special. And the group of people that had already received this award is... Uh, I'm really flattered that I'm part of that uh, part of that award. There you go, a fitting winner. I miss Smokey. Isn't it funny that uh, Charlotte has this embraces Smokey Unit? Isn't that crazy? Yeah. Weird, huh? Yeah. That was a humpy deal, wasn't it? Was it a humpy deal? Yeah, or a humpy deal. Started, was it a humpy deal? Yeah. 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 So, uh, but it's you know because it, his his hometown track <laughs> that wasn't exactly a it wasn't a loving relationship between uh, Henry Eunuch and uh, and William Henry Getty France. Yeah, it was not the it wasn't uh, it wasn't a a warm embrace. But anytime there's anything out there about Smokey yeah. being honored, mm-hmm. Smokey being mentioned, yeah. you know, I, I always try to you know. Bring, well, that's it, nice. bring it into the pod. Well, I appreciate that. All right, now say goodbye to everybody. Uh, oh, you're turning off the face. Yeah, we got it. It's burning up my battery. Okay. Right, uh, we're going to talk. We're, we're now to that. that uh, you'll get that big time auto racing, the uh, middle segment of Daytona Motor Mouse. And uh, we're going to talk about Haley Deegan. Then we're going to talk a little bit of uh, what's been labeled here as Zloop and Oop. Can't wait to find out what that's about. So you know who Haley Deegan is, Mr. Kelly? I have no idea. Tell me who 17-year-old uh, racer from from California. She's racing on on the K&M West Series. There's a K&M East, K&M West. Both are under the NASCAR umbrella. They are the, I would assume, the minor league series immediately below the three national touring series, Cup, Xfinity, and Trucks. And uh, it's a it's a place for up and coming drivers to hone their skills, uh, travel from state to state, race slightly different courses, mostly smaller tracks, but in stock car equipment. And it's a proving ground, for lack of a better term. Seventeen years old, Haley, she uh, became the first female racer under the NASCAR. Uh, series umbrella to to win a automobile race. What about and she did it last Saturday night in uh, in Idaho? What about Danica? What what? Am, huh? oh, sorry, <laughs> Haley's the first. Danica. Uh, Danica's next. If she wins a race, she'll be second. If she comes back and wins a race. Uh, anyway, she and she did it. She she knocked her teammate. She was running second, going to the last turn. And gave the old bump and run to the first place car, who just so happened to be her teammate, who didn't take all that kindly to it. But anyway, that's what shows me 
if there's ever going to be a female racer to quote make it in other words challenge get up climb the ladder challenge for wins perhaps win get to the cup series and run run up front you know i think it's going to have have to be somebody who comes up through the ranks like this i don't think danica ever really had a chance because she just did not adapt from indy cars to stock cars right and again nothing against her because she's not the first about half of them that come over don't adapt right she wasn't the first to not adapt to that uh the rarities are the tony stewart's uh and to a lesser degree jeff gordon he never drove indy cars but he was in the you know in the open, open wheel, wheel. um so anyway uh no knock against danica in that regard but it's somebody like this, and Haley Deegan right now becomes the leader in the clubhouse in terms of who might that be who's going to climb through the ranks and uh, get an NASCAR ride in trucks or, or the Bush Series and then see if they can prove themselves there, and uh, you know who knows what's going to happen down the line. But anyway, congratulations to Haley Deegan. I'm sure of all that has happened in the post-Idaho glory of her victory and her making of history, her her mention on the Daytona Motor Mouse might put her over the top. Yeah. Oh yeah. This is it. This yeah. is the motor. When, this, when word leaks the, out, this yeah. is Daytona Motor Mouse bump. That's what they call it. The bump. Yeah. The That's bump. The bump and run. Now yeah. we're gonna run. We're gonna talk and <laughs> oop. What is that? All right, Robert Boston. <clears throat> oh, this is right off the wires. Robert Boston, <laughs> who was found guilty in December. Oh, wait a minute. You got to get the wire machine. Oh, you got it going. Yeah, okay. okay. I'm, I'm ready. If you're ready. Tell me when. Okay. Go. Robert Boston, who was found guilty in December of fraudulently luring investors in part to fund his son's racing career, was sentenced Monday to 10 years in federal prison, according to a Department of Justice news release. He was also found liable for $27.36 million in restitution to victims and ordered to forfeit various properties. Federal prosecutors argued Boston conned the investors to pour money into the computer recycling center known as Zloop. They claimed that he and Zloop co-founder Robert Labarge spent the investors' money on a lavish lifestyle. As What else would you do with embezzled? With, yeah, what are you going to do? Live in a trailer down by the river? Uh, as well as more than $6 million for Boston's son, Justin Boston, to race automobiles. Justin was not involved in the scheme other than being Robert's son and driving the Zloop-sponsored race car. We'll be right back. Anyway, I thought that was interesting. Uh, uh, Justin Boston, whose name has kind of been on the fringes out there. You see it every now and then in the lineup. Or I, I, you know, I couldn't believe you could read that off the wire like that. It's you, just, you just kept it uh, right up. I'm a well-trained newsman. Yeah. Uh, there's another thing that happened that was interesting. Have you ever heard of Jordan Anderson? He's one of them guys you see in the back markers of, a, of, a truck, of the truck races, NASCAR truck races. Yeah. He finished top ten at the Daytona truck races. Yeah, that usually happens. Uh, uh, prosecutors have dropped the charge of possession of a stolen vehicle against him. I guess he'd been charged with, with knowingly buying a hot race truck. Oh. But they have dropped charges. Uh, he bought the truck from a fabricator named Robert Newling according to the Rowan County Sheriff's Office. Uh, they eventually determined that Anderson had reason to believe that the truck was stolen. However, Newling, who did the repairs on the truck that was owned by, the truck was formerly owned by Mike Harmon. Uh-huh. Him, yes. Yeah, he- uh, it was crashed at Texas in 17. 
And uh, we've been cooperating with the investigation. Blah, blah, let me see if this is worth continuing. Uh, so, no, nah, probably not. I don't even know why I started it. But anyway, this guy, uh, Anderson, 27 years old, struggling, trying to own his own truck team and make a go of it in, in automobile racing. He has 74 career starts in trucks and 13 in the Bush Series. That's why we see the name here and there, you know? Yeah. The name looks familiar. So anyway, he, uh, he, he bought a hot truck and uh, presumably didn't know it was hot. At first, they thought he knew it was hot. Then to say that he didn't know it was hot. So I guess he's in the clear and uh, looking for a ride. (laughs) (laughs) And he's looking for a Uh, hot ride. Yes. Not a hot truck. That's all I got for you. You'll get that big-time auto race. Wow, that's green white. We still got green-white checkers. What we're going to do, think about this as we go to this little mini break. Yeah. Uh, I want you to look at the standings and tell me which four drivers of the 12 remaining will not be standing in the playoffs after three more races. And we will discuss right after this. All right, we're back with Green White Checkers. Mr. Kelly, we're entering round, the second round of the NASCAR playoffs. Uh, four drivers have been pulled from the herd. And there are 12 remaining. I'll quickly run them down. Kevin Harvick, Martin Truex, Jr., Brad Keselowski, Clint Boyer, Kurt Busch, Joey Logano, Ryan Blaney, Chase Elliott, Kyle Larson, Eric Almarola, Alex Bowman. All right, you look at four of those. I'm gonna pick. I'm gonna cross off four here, and then you're gonna cross off four, and we're gonna see if how how much we overlap. I'm gonna. You guys, it's easy to go way back down here. All right, boom, back down there. Carry the one knot through the knot. Um, woo, that's a tough one right there. Woo, it gets tough. I got three right off the, off the get go. Do do do. All right, I got my four. Let me know when you're ready. All right, all right. Uh, throw one at me, just one. Bowman. Bowman. Who's next? <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm with you, Bowman. Almarola. I said Almarola. I almost, I didn't want to. He's been. Turning in a lot of good races, so I'm pulling for him. Yeah, I'm, I don't want now, to. Now, but it was a process yeah, of elimination, now, literally. Before we go any further, okay, I'm taking all my. You know, this is nothing personal. Well, no, we know that. Who's your third? And I just want. Don't worry about <laughs> it. I just want to reinforce it. Hell with him. All right, Who's so third? My, my third would be Larson. Ah, Joey Logano. And my fourth, and this is my shock pick. Okay, shocker. Okay, Truex. Kurt Busch. So we agree on Almarola and Bowman. I say Logano and Kurt. You said who and who? Larson and Truex. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Now, if Larson has to drive that car that he finished the race at the room <laughs> with, I'm going to change my picks right now. All right. So we'll see how that works out. We're going to play the birthday game before we go. You ready? I am ready. I think you're going to do well this week. I think you're going to do well. We got a kind of a we got a little bit of a mixed bag here. A little young, little old. A little NASCAR, a little road racing. Today's today, uh, the birthday today. There's one Wednesday as we sit here and uh, put the pod together. Max Pappas, Mad Max, Mad Max. Happy birthday, Feliz Cumpleaños. <laughs> <laughs> Mad Max is uh, no, damn it, he's Italian. Now, what if I throw in Spanish? <laughs> he's Italian. I don't well, know how to say happy. They're very Italian. similar, by the way. Uh, Italians, uh, isn't that the language of love, or is that French? Yeah. Uh, I think the language of love is French, but Italian and Spanish. It's beautiful. 
Italian and Spanish have a lot of overlap. Yeah, except the Italian is prettier when you hear people speak. Oh, yeah. Oh, anyway, yeah. happy birthday, Max. How old are you? Take a shot, Mr. Kelly. Max Pappas is 53. No, it says here on my paper he is 459 years old. <laughs> That's, I'm just telling you what it says. I, I see where the mistake was. He The five should not be there. He's 49. Okay. He's got one more year of life. And then he's then it starts on the second half century. Yeah. Um, what's today? Wednesday. Friday. J.J. Yaley. There's a guy. Open wheel racing to the stock cars. Never made it. Didn't adjust. Yeah. Didn't get the foot. But great, great, great short track, dirt track, midget sprints, outlaws, all that stuff. Yeah. Great at that stuff. Great USAC star. But he still shows up in NASCAR. It's where the money is. Well, it used to be. Still where some money is. Uh, let's say 45. 42. Okay. Not bad. Right. Not bad. Yeah. Sunday, this one's this one's gonna hurt. This one's gonna this one's gonna you no chance. Former Bush series driver for a brief period of time. Hank Parker Jr. Hank Parker. Hank Jr. Hank. Let's talk about your <laughs> He daddy. was, like, real young. Hank Sr. was a two-time Bassmasters champion, had a fishing show, might still have it. I'm going to say, I'm going to round it up to 40. Hank Parker Jr., who still, I think, hangs, hangs out a little bit because he's good friends. I think he was good friends with Junior. Junior. Yeah. yeah. Um, he's he's 43, Hank Parker Jr. Yeah. I tried to see how old his daddy was, uh, how old his daddy was, but... Uh, his Wikipedia page doesn't give his birthday. The bass fishermen, they're a little, I guess they're a little guarded on that. But I got news for you. The bass don't know how old you are, nor does he care. No, they so don't. anyway, Bo Cephas Parker, Jr., 43. Uh, all right, next Monday, a few days away, uh, I'm going to finish with one. There's two. I'm going to finish with one I know you're going to get. Well, ah, hell, you're going to get both of these. Bubba Wallace, next Monday, has birthday. Bubba? Bubba. Uh, 27. 25. Oh, okay. And I'll say what I say every time when we talk about him. There have been more PGA golf tournaments won by Bubba's than NASCAR races. Yeah, because of yep. Bubba, what's his name? Bubba Watson. He yeah. went the first. Bubba Dickerson won one ahead And of him. Bubba, um, he's the only guy that was uh, comes from Baghdad. Yeah, he's the only PGA Tour golfer. From, no, he's not. <laughs> He's Boo not. Weekly. Boo Weekly's from Baghdad. No, really? Yeah, they're, they're all from that little bitty town up in the panhandle. Wow. Baghdad, FLA. Something in the water. Yep, something in the sand. <laughs> sand <of Baghdad. laughs> they're hell out of the bunkers. <laughs> uh, you can't rattle them with some noise either. <laughs> all right, also uh, Monday, Bill Elliott. Goblin. Oh, Bill. Next Monday. Well, you start having them birthdays. Yeah. Well, see, I know this because. That's why I knew you'd get this. See, he's we're the, right now the same age, yeah. and then he goes a year ahead of me, and then I catch All right. up. All right, guys. Got, you got to catch up here soon. <laughs> I know you're going to catch me, Goblin. 63. 63. Bill, it had yeah. birthday, Bill. Oh, gosh, I'd just a little cake and go out for dinner. I got to show you a picture of me and Bill Elliott yeah. back when he was – awesome bill yeah it's hysterical i had uh during that same period i and i've during a recent move i found a bunch of old photos in a box that i had and i had a polaroid photo remember those yeah of me in the old winston tower press box at daytona we took it on race day they had a cardboard cut out of bill in his coors uniform 
life size cutout. Yeah. And and I had my picture taken next to it. That was on a Sunday of the Daytona 500. On Saturday preceding the Daytona 500, me and some friends went out. Remember Speed Weeks? Everybody, there was parties everywhere. Oh, you know, yeah. Sundays. Constantly. And we were out way too late. And in those days, the traffic pattern and the roads, everything wasn't quite as streamlined as it is now. And plus, you had 200,000 people. Yeah. <laughs> so you had to get up at five to go to make sure you just weren't locked in traffic. So imagine. I mean, I looked absolutely bloodless. So I, I looked at that picture, and that brought it all back to me. And I realized that the cardboard cutout <laughs> looked more alive <laughs> than I did in that picture. So anyway, that's my... Uh, Stupid Bill Elliott that, story. That's your story. You're sticking to it. Okay, yeah. so on Twitter, they can find you at Hey Willie NJ. Hey, try. I'm not looking, but go ahead and try. <laughs> they can find me at Godwin Kelly, at Godwin at Kelly. Godwin Kelly, and so then, original. And of course, uh, as always, we put up the offer that if you have any pressing question concerning anything about life, nature, history politics well maybe not politics <laughs> <laughs> speaking of angry speaking of nature i have a pet squirrel now so before you get into your pet squirrel uh hashtag hey willie and we'll pick up the question and answer it uh i got a squirrel that comes to the back slider every morning now from this tree and why does he do that because i i've taken to throwing i bought a big bag of peanuts and I've taken to throwing a little handful of peanuts out there. And he comes, and if I don't throw him out there, he comes and he stands on his hind haunches looking in right against the window, looking in at me. Until I go and throw it. And uh, we call him, uh, We've his name is Jim, Jim Bag. Because uh, I, my wife said, uh, we're going to need to buy him some more peanuts here soon. And I said, take a look at him from behind. I think we need to buy him some underwear, for God's sake. I don't know how he, don't know how he gets through the trees with that. It's unbelievable. So anyway, he's a old gym bag. <laughs> so that's my other story. I'll take a picture of him. I'll bring it in. I would enjoy that. Yeah. We'll put it on the podcast. And I'll bring in some peanuts. Yeah. We'll put that's it on, what we we'll need. We'll put it on the video part of the podcast. Beautiful. Yeah. All right. Till next time. See you, Willie. Bye. Thank you for listening to this episode of Daytona Motor Mouths. To reach the program, please visit DaytonaMotorMouths.com or follow on Twitter at NASCAR Daytona or Facebook at NASCAR Daytona. And thanks for joining us. Daytona Motor Mouths is a production of the Daytona Beach News Journal.